There was a account written about a preacher who had gone to a new congregation and his topic for the first Sunday that he was there was 1 John 4 and verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also ought to love one another. Preached his lesson and the congregation thought it was good. The next week they came. He said the topic for the day is 1 John 4 and verse 11. And he preached the lesson again. And then the third week he got up and he said the topic for the day is 1 John 4 and verse 11. And one of the men in the congregation interrupted him and began to question him about it. And one realized he's already preached that two, twice before. He said, yes, I know. The text says, beloved, if we love, if God so loved us, we ought to also ought to love one another. And when you get that one down, we'll move on to another sermon. <coughs> you think about the love of God. And you think about what he's done for us. And again, that text. If God so loved us, brethren, we ought to love one another. The depths of God's love, how limitless it is. We spent some time looking at some qualities that deal with the limitless aspects of God talked about his faith, talked about wisdom, we talked about grace. We want to look at love. For us to grasp this nature of God and then to see how this nature of God is to be demonstrated in us That if we are going to be his children, if we're to be the imitator of God, then some of these these qualities indeed then must be ours. And as the Bible talks about love, it's not so much that ooey-gooey, mushy stuff, as it is a quality that is described by Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. There we talk about the importance of love, the qualities of love, and how long love will endure. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 
It matters not what talents, capabilities that we have. They're not done through love. It is of no profit to us. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. For now we see in a mirror dimly. You think about God is love. You think about it being without limit. God so loved the world in totality that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life in John 3 and verse 16. And while we're here, we just see dimly, trying just to catch a glimpse of the depths of God's love, trying to comprehend the length that He was willing to go for us long before we ever came into this world. And how enduring it, enduring it is that even as we stumble and fall, His love is still there for us. And His willingness to forgive when we repent along the way. The Apostle John has often been called the Apostle of Love basically because of his first epistle. It's a short little book. Take time to read it. 
But as you read it, listen. Listen to the words. Listen to the message that John is given to those that he was writing to in his day. Back to chapter 2 and verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. He who loves his brother as described in 1 Corinthians 13 abides in the light. You go back to chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him. And declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Love declares that we indeed are the children of God. Look in chapter 3, verse 10. And this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. And he who does not love his brother abides in death. You think about the definition that's being described in 1 John, 1 Corinthians 13, scriptures in totality. Defining for us or striving to give us the words to grapple with of the true nature of who God is. But then to grapple with what does it mean for me? What does it mean for you to be called a child of the living God? What's involved in that? As we deal with one another, how often do the words of 1 Corinthians 13 come into play? How often do they weigh on our heart and on our mind and cause us to think before speaking or acting. 
What is the attitude that I'm to have towards you, towards the brotherhood, in light of what God has done for me? And in light of what God has done for you, We're discussing this morning in the auditorium class out of Galatians 2 and verse 20. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. The life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. How often do I remember that? I no longer live. Is Christ living in me? And as I look at those characteristics of Christ throughout the Gospels and throughout the Scriptures, when I see the depths of His love from eternity, willingly planning. To become one who would be seen as accursed by God for hanging on a tree. Rejected by man. And yet well pleased in the eyes of his father. And how often do I struggle with rejection, with the ridicule, Sometimes from brethren, sometimes from the world. Love the brethren. If anyone doesn't love the brethren, the love of God does not abide in him. Whoever does not seek the best interest, whoever doesn't see the best in another, Whoever doesn't forget what was in the past, how does the love of God abide in him? John would also remind us in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 3. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. By this, we know love. And I've been crucified. And no longer live. Is Christ living in me? The willingness to be willing to lay down life for the brethren. Go down to verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. But indeed, 
and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assume our hearts, and shall assure our hearts before him. God demonstrated his love by action. Created a world for us. Planned our redemption through a savior. Jesus demonstrated his love for us in coming to this earth and then willingly giving his life on that cross in order that we might live. We ought to demonstrate our love. How far does it go? The difficulty in the crucifying of self, the difficulty in applying and looking, excuse me, looking and desiring 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 into the life. Reminding ourselves that regardless of what we do, regardless of a sacrifice that we've made, if we haven't demonstrated those qualities, verses 4 through 8, there is no profit. And if there is no profit, There is no hope. How important is it for us to look at the limitless quality of love demonstrated in God, shown to us, but then expected from us as a child of the living God? Be imitators of me. We're to imitate God. And as with any imitation, we understand that it comes up imperfect. There's a flaw called being human. But we're trying to overcome that in our lives, are we not? Or to be, trying to crucify self. Take up that cross daily and follow me. Jesus said, then you are my disciples. It's a daily task. You wake up each morning, you look in the mirror, there you are. You're there. Hard for us to remember. There is this an outward shell. And that inward self does not begin to match what that outward shell looks like. But there must be that inward self walking in the steps of the Savior day by day.
That brotherly love is that evidence of our sonship. The brotherly love. Long-suffering, compassionate, does not seek its own, does not seek revenge, not puffed up. That brotherly love demonstrates that we are his children. What type of reflection are we given? What type of hope are we given to others? To remind them of how far God has gone, how far God has gone. Get my tongue wrapped around my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm saying. How far God has gone. To what length and to what duration has he endured us? Seen in three areas again. One is in eternity. Plan your redemption. Plan my redemption. Two is seen in life. The world in which we live. How can you not look at this world, not man's part in it, but look at this world that God has created and know he's created it for mankind and not see how patient he is with us. And it is seen into eternity. Those that are his will have that eternal home with him one day in heaven. But it's those that are his, those that are striving to walk in the light as he is in the light. That when we stumble and we fall, we confess our sins and recognize that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it's because we desire to imitate And we understand in our imperfection we fall short. And in our imperfection and falling short, we regret what we've done and we repent. And we come back to God and he restores. Has no qualms about it. Gives that hope in Hebrews 10 verse 17. Their sins and their iniquities I will Remember no more, says the Lord. I don't know about you, but that is a powerful passage. It's a passage of comfort, a passage of hope. Knowing the depths of his love, of what he desires from me as an individual, what he desires from you as an individual, what he desires from us as a congregation. What he desires from his body, the church, universal. How long he bears so that we might live with him eternally. This is love. We love the brethren. We're willing to lay down our lives for our brothers. To encourage them to 
be the child that God would have them to be. It demonstrates our sonship as those who are born of God and those who know God. And it reminds us of how deep the Father's love is for us and how deep the Son's love is for us. Falling right into the Romans in that fifth chapter. Down in verse 5, he talks about our having hope based upon our persecution, our tribulations, our perseverance, our character, and then our hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Then to remind us of where we were. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And much more then, having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, we shall be saved by his life. God's love for us. How is it reflected in your life? God's love for us, or God's love for you, how is that being reflected in your life? What image of God is the world seeing as they look at your life? Look at your actions. Look at your attitudes through your actions. What does the world see concerning the love of God? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His son softly and tenderly calls us to him. If we've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came to this world to die for our sins, that we believe he is the Lord and he is the Savior, we're willing to repent of those sins, turn from those sins, stop doing them, and confess Jesus as the Lord, and then to obey him in a watery grave of baptism, to be raised then to walk, in newness of life. To walk as a child of the living God with the hope of heaven. And then to be faithful unto death. 
to be able to do that this morning, or as a child of God who has not, or is not, listening or have listened to the latter part, described in Revelation 2, verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, and you shall receive the crown of life. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. If you have a need to respond to that invitation, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.